0: else was excited for today's episode, like the prophecy finally comes true. Okay, just go to the title, but here we are with the 22nd episode of the Percy Jackson podcast, and this is the last chapter of the Percy Jackson and the Olympians book one, The Lightning Thief. I am terribly excited, like, like the last chapter of every book is like the best where the climax is, or sometimes where uh, the epilogue is, those are my favorite parts. And I'm sure, like, most of you all, the last part, you all read the last part before uh, beginning a book or midway, like, to wonder how it ends, like, how the story ends, but, but, It's unexpected and many of you must have read the book by now and but still let's just assume or pretend that you haven't read it and finally see what all it was about like I know it goes back to Kronos and everything we all know that we know what's gonna happen like who's gonna be behind it all but there's another font to just pretend like you don't know anything and just Let it wash over you again. Okay? So, here we begin. We were the first heroes to return alive to Camp Half-Blood since Luke. So, of course, everybody treated us like as if we'd won some TV reality contest. Now, what had Luke gone to? I don't know. I don't actually remember what had happened. But uh, Luke uh, had asked for a quest from his father Hermes. And Hermes had told him to go and fetch the golden apples from the, golden apples from Atlas's tree. And there maybe he had a bad encounter with a dragon. I think it was called Leden. and uh, And that's the reason why he has got that scar across his face and he hates everyone mm. for that. And we know why it happens. And well, the extra notes are given in the Demigod Diaries of the same that Rick Riordan has written. The Demigod Diaries. Uh, it's a companion book. You, uh, we have give, uh, We have been given some extra information about Anabeth, Thalia, and Luke's overall like why. Luke, maybe he resented them and something like that. I, it was a long time since I read it. I actually, I'm, my memory's a bit foggy, but okay, let's just continue. Okay. According to camp tradition, we wore wreaths to a big feast prepared in our honor that led to a procession down the bonfire where we got to burn the burial shrouds or cabins had made for us in our absence. Can you imagine that? A feast, like I can only imagine the feast. Annabeth's shroud was so beautiful, grey silk with embroidered owls, I told her it was a shame not to bury her in it. She punched me and told me to shut up. They're really cute. Being the of Poseidon, I didn't have any cabin mates, so the Aries cabin had volunteered to make my shroud. They'd taken an old bed sheet and painted smiley faces with Xed out eyes around the border and the word loser painted really big in the middle. It was fun to burn. As Apollo's cabin let the sing along and passed out toasted marshmallows, I was surrounded by my old Hermes cabin mates and with friends from Athena and Grover's sage buddies who were admiring the brand new Sertius license he'd received from the Council of the Cloven Elders. The Council had called Grover's performance on the quest brave to the point of indigestion, horns and whiskers above anything we have seen in the past. The only ones not in the party mood were Clarice and her cabin mates, whose poisonous looks told me they'd never forgive me for disgracing their dad. That was okay with me. Even Dionysus' welcome home speech wasn't enough to dampen my spirits. Yes, yes, so the little brat didn't get himself killed and now he'll have an even bigger hit. Well, hazard for that. In other announcements, there will be no canoe races this Saturday. I moved back into Cabin 3, but it didn't feel so lonely anymore. I had my friends to train with during the day. At night, I lay awake and listened to the sea, knowing my father was out there. Maybe he wasn't quite sure about me yet. Maybe he didn't even want me born, but he was watching, and so far, he was proud of what I had done. As for my mother, she had a chance at a new life. Her letter arrived a week after I had got back to camp. She told me Gabe had left mysteriously. Disappeared off the face of the planet, in fact. She reported him missing to the police, but she had a funny feeling they would never find him. On a completely unrelated subject, she sold her first life-size concrete sculpture entitled The Poker Player to a collector through an art gallery in Soho. She got so much money for it, she would put a deposit down on a new apartment and made a a payment on her first term's tuition at NYU. The Soho Gallery was clamoring for more of her work, which they called a huge step forward in super ugly Neuralism. But don't worry, my mom wrote, I've done with sculpture. I've disposed of the box of tools you left me. It's time for me to turn to writing. So you can actually imagine like what happened. She used the Medusa's head on Gabe and well, she turned him into a stone statue. And then she sold him. It was actually fun. Like Gabe deserved it. Really deserved it. He was a jerk. At the bottom, she wrote a P.S. Percy, I found a good private school here in the city. I've put a deposit down to, for, to hold you a spot in case you want to enroll for 7th grade. You could live at home, but if you want to go year-round at Camp Hubblood at Hubblood Hill, I'll understand. I folded the note carefully and set it on my bedside table. Every night before I went to sleep, I read it again and I tried to decide how to answer her. On the 4th of July, the whole camp gathered at the beach for fireworks display by KB9. So what's so special about 4th of July is the American Independence Day. Being Hephaestus kids, they weren't going to settle for a few lame red and white and blue explosions. They anchored a barge offshore and loaded it with rockets the size of Patriot missiles. According to Annabeth, who'd seen this show before, the blasts would be sequenced so tightly they'd look like frames of animation across the sky. The finale was supposed to be a couple of 30-meter-tall Spartan warriors who would crackle to life above the ocean, fight a battle, then explode into a million colors. As Sanabit and I were spreading a picnic blanket, Grover showed up to tell us goodbye. He was dressed in his usual jeans and t-shirt and trainers, but in the last few weeks, he started to look older, almost high school age. His goatee had gotten thicker. He p- had put on weight. His horns had grown a few centimeters at least. So now he had to wear his rasta cap all the time to pass as human. I'm off, he said. I just came to say, well, you know. I tried to feel happy for him. After all, it wasn't every day a seater got permission to go look for the great god Pan, but it was hard saying goodbye. I'd only known Grover a year, yet he was my oldest friend. Annabeth gave him a hug. She told him to keep his fake feet on. I asked him where he was going to search first. Kind of a secret, he said, looking embarrassed. I wish you could come with me, guys, but humans and Pan, we understand, Annabeth said. You got enough tin cans for the trip? Yeah. And you remembered your reed pipes? Jeez, Annabeth, he grumbled. You're like an old goat. But he didn't really sound annoyed. He gripped his walking stick and slung a backpack over his shoulder. He looked like any hitchhiker you might see in an American highway. Nothing like the little runty boy I used to defend from bullies at Yancey Academy. Well, he said, wish me luck. He gave Annabeth another hug. He clapped me on the shoulder, then headed back to the dunes. Fireworks exploded to life overhead. Hercules killing the Nemean lion, Artemis chasing the boar, George Washington, who by the way was the son of Athena, crossing the Delaware. <sighs> okay, George Washington was the son of Athena. I don't know anything about that, okay? Hey, Grover, I called. He turned at the edge of the woods. Wherever you going, I, I hope they made good echoladas. Grover grinned and then he was gone, the trees closing around him. We'll see him again, Annabeth said. I tried to believe it. The fact that no searcher had ever come back in 2000 years. Well, I decided not to think about that. Grover would be the first. He had to be. July passed. I spent my days devising new strategies for Capture the Flag and making alliances with other cabins to keep the banner out of Ares's hands. I got to the top of the climbing wall for the first time without getting scorched by lava. From time to time, I'd walk past the big house, glance up at the attic windows and think about the oracle. I tried to convince myself that its prophecy had come to completion. You shall go west and face the dog- Sorry, I'm so sorry, it's, it's God, I mean prophecy made the same same error in the last book like he said dog instead of gods i think it's a common error i'm sorry you shall go west and face the god who has turned been there done that even though the treasure god had turned out to be Ares rather than hades you shall find that what was stolen and see it safely returned. check one master bolt delivered one helmet of darkness back on hades's oily head And just imagine the god of good reading this, guys, okay. You shall be betrayed by one who calls you a friend. This line still bothered me. Ares had pretended to be my friend and betrayed me. That must be what the oracle meant. And you shall fail to save what matters most in the end. I had failed to save my mom, but only because I'd let her save herself. And I knew that was the right thing. So why was I still uneasy? The last night of summer session came all too quickly. The campers had one last meal together. We burned part of a dinner for the gods. At the bonfire, the senior counselors awarded the, year of sum- the, the end of summer beads. I got my own leather necklace, and when I saw the bead for my first summer, I was glad the firelight covered my blushing. The design was pitch black, with a sea-green trident shimmering in the center. The choice was unanimous. Luke announced. This beat commemorates the first son of the sea god at this camp, and the quest he undertook into the darkest part of the underworld to stop a war. The entire camp got to their feet and cheered. Even Ares's cabin felt obliged to stand. Athena's cabin steered Annabeth to the front so she could share in the applause. I'm not sure I'd ever felt as happy or sad as I did at that moment. I'd finally found a family people who cared about me and thought I'd done something right and in the morning, most of them would be leaving for the year. The next morning, I found the form letter on my bedside table. I knew Dionysus must have filled it out because he stubbornly insisted on getting my name wrong. Peter Johnson If you intend to stay at Camp half Year-Around, you must inform the big house by noon today. If you do not announce your in- intentions, we will assume you have vacated your cabin or died a horrible death. Cleaning harpies will begin work at sundown. They will be authorized to eat any unregistered campers. All personal articles left behind will be incinerated in the lava pit. Have a nice day. Mr. D Dionysus Camp Director Olympian Council Number 12 That's another thing about ADHD. Deadlines just aren't real to me until I'm staring one right in the face. Summer was over and I still hadn't answered my mother or the camp about whether I'd be staying. Now, I had only a few hours to decide. The decision should have been easy. I mean, nine months of hair training or nine months of sitting in a classroom. Duh. But there was my mom to consider. For the first time, I had the chance to live with her for a whole year without Gabe. I had a chance to be at home and knock around the city in my free time. I remember what Annabeth said so long ago on her quest. The real world is where the monsters are. That's where you learn whether you are any good or not. I thought about the fate of Thalia, daughter of Zeus. I wondered how many monsters would attack me if I left Half-Blood Hill. If I stayed in one place for a whole school year without Chiron and my friends around to help me, would my mother and I even survive until the next summer? That was assuming the spelling test and five-paragraph essays didn't kill me. I decided to go down to the arena and do some sword practice. Maybe that would clear my head. The campgrounds were mostly deserted, shimmering in the August heat. All the campers were in their cabins, packing up or running around with brooms and mops, getting ready for final inspection. August was helping some of the Aphrodite kids haul their uh, goosey case suitcases and makeup kits over the hill where the camp's shuttle bus would be waiting to take them to the airport. Don't think about leaving yet, I told myself, just train. I got to the fighter's arena and found that Luke had had the same idea. His gym bag was plopped at the edge of the stage. He was walking solo, whacking away at battle dummies with a sword I'd never seen before. It must have been a regular steel blade because he was slashing a dummy's head right off, stabbing through the straw-stuffed guts. His orange counselor shirt was dripping with sweat. His expression was so intense, his life might have really been in danger. I watched, fascinated, as he disemboweled the whole row of dummies, hacking off limbs and basically reducing them to a pile of straw and armor. They were only dummies, but I still couldn't help being awed by Luke's skill. The guy was an incredible fighter. It made me wonder again how he possibly could have failed at his quest. Finally, he saw me and stopped mid-swing. Pussy! Um, sorry, I said embarrassed. I just, it's okay, he said, lowering his sword. Just doing some last-minute practice. Those dummies won't be bothering anybody anymore. Luke shrugged. We build new ones every summer. Not that his sword wasn't swirling around, I could see something odd about it. The blade was of two types, of metal, one edge bronze, the other steel. Luke noticed me looking at it. Oh, this? New toy. This is Backbiter. Backbiter? Luke turned the blade in the light, so it glinted wickedly. One size is celestial bronze, the other is tempered steel. Works on both mortals and immortals, both. I thought about what Chiron had told me when I started my quest, that a hero should never harm morals unless absolutely necessary. I do not know they could make weapons like that. They probably can't, Luke agreed. It's one of a kind. He gave me a tiny smile and slid the sword into its scabbard. Listen, I was gonna gonna come looking for you. Why do you say we go on into the woods one last time, look for something to fight? I don't know why I hesitated. I should have felt relieved that Luke was being so friendly ever since I got back from the quest. He'd been acting a little distant, I was afraid he might resent me for all the attention I'd had. You think it's a good idea? I asked. I mean… Oh, come on. Here, Ramesh to his gym bag and pulled out a six-pack of Cokes. Drinks are on me. I stared at the Cokes, wondering where the heck he got them. There were no regular remodeled sodas at the camp store. No way to smuggle them in unless he talked to a satyr, maybe. Of course the magic dinner goblets would fill in anything you want but it just didn't taste the same as a real coke straight out of the can sugar and caffeine my little cumbles. sure i decided why not we walked down the roads and kicked around for some kind of monster to fight but it was too hard. all the monsters With any sense, must have been taking siestas in their nice, cool caves. We found a shady spot by the creek where I'd broken Clarissa's spear during my first capture-the-flag game. We sat on a big rock, drank our cokes, and watched the sunlight in the woods. After a while, Luke said, You miss being on a quest. With monsters attacking me every meter, are you kidding? Luke raised an eyebrow. Yeah, I miss it. You? A shadow passed over his face. I was being used to hearing from girls how good-looking Luke was. But at that moment, he looked weary and angry and not at all handsome. His blonde hair was grey in the sunlight. The scar on his face looked deeper than usual. I could imagine him as an old man. I've lived at Camp Half-Blood Hill year-around since I was 14, he told me. Ever since Thalia, well, you know, I trained and trained and trained and I never got to be a normal teenager out there in the world. Then they threw me one quest and when I came back it was like, okay, ride's over, have a nice life. He crumpled his can and threw it into the creek which really shocked me. One of the first things you learn at Camp Half-Blood is don't litter, you'll hear it from the nymphs and the naiads, they'll get even. You crawl into bed one night and find your sheets filled with centipedes and muds. The heck with laurel wreaths, Luke said. I'm not going to end up like the dusty trophies in the big house eater. You make it sound like you're leaving. Luke gave me a twisted smile. Oh, I am leaving. Alright, proceed. I brought you down here to say goodbye. He snapped his fingers. A small fire burned a hole in the ground at my feet. Out crawled something glistening black about the size of my hand. A scorpion. I started to go for my pen. I wouldn't, Luke cautioned. Pit scorpions can jump up to five meters. Its stinger can piece right through your clothes. You'll be dead in sixty seconds. Luke, what? Then it hit me. You will be betrayed by one who calls you a friend. You, I said. He stood calmly and brushed off his jeans. The scorpion paid him no attention. It kept its deadly black eyes on me, clamping its pincers as it crawled onto my shoe. I saw a lot out there in the world, Percy. Didn't you feel it? The darkness gathering the monsters, growing stronger. Didn't you realize how useless it all is? All the heroics being pawns of the gods. They should have been overthrown thousands of years ago, but they've hung on. Thanks to us, half blood. I couldn't believe this was happening. Luke, you're talking about our parents, I said. He laughed. That's supposed to make me love them? Their precious Western civilization is a disease, Percy. It's killing the world. The only way to stop it is to burn it to the ground. Start over with something more honest. You're as crazy as Ares. His eyes flared. Ares is a fool. He never realized the true master he was serving. If I had time, Percy, I could explain, but I'm afraid you won't live that long. The scorpion crawled onto my trouser leg. There had to be a way out of this. I needed time to think. Kronos, I said, that's who you serve. The air got colder. You should be careful with names, Luke warned. Kronos got you to steal the master bolt and the helmet he spoke to you in your dreams. Luke's sides twitched. He spoke to you too, Percy. You should have listened. He's brainwashing you, Luke. You're wrong. He showed me that my talents are being wasted. You know what my quest was two years ago, Percy? My father Hermes wanted me to steal a golden apple from the garden of Hesperides and return it to Olympus. After all the training I'd done, that was the best he could think of. That's not an easy quest, I said. Hercules did it. Exactly. Where's the glory in repeating what others have done? All the gods know how to do is replay their past. My heart wasn't in it. The dragon in the garden gave me this. He pointed angrily at his car and when I came back, all I got was pity. I want to pull Olympus down stone by stone right then. But I bided my time. I began to dream of Kronos. He convinced me to steal something worthwhile, something no hero had ever had the courage to take. When we went off that winter solstice field trip while the other campers were asleep, I sneaked into the throne room and took Zeus's master bolt right from his chair. He had his helmet of darkness too. You wouldn't believe how easy it was. The Olympians are so arrogant, they never dreamed. Someone would dare steal from them. The security is horrible. I was halfway across New Jersey before I heard the storms rumbling, and I knew they discovered my theft. The scorpions was sitting on my knee now, staring at me with his glittering eyes. I tried to keep my voice level. So why didn't you bring the items to Kronos? Luke's smile wavered. I I, I got overconfident. Zeus so sent his sons and daughters to find the stolen bolt, Artemis, Apollo, my father, Hermes. But it was Ares who caught me. I could have beaten him, but I wasn't careful enough. He disarmed me and took the items of power, and threatened to return them to Olympus and burn me alive. Then Cronus's voice came to me and told me what to say. I put the idea in Ares's head about a great war between the gods. I said all he had to do was hide the items away for a while and watch the others fight. Ares got a wicked gleam in his eyes. I knew he was hooked. He let me go, and I returned to Olympus before anyone noticed my absence. Luke uh, uh, Luke drew his new sword. He ran his thumb down the flat of his blade as he was hypnotized by his beauty. Afterwards... The Lord of the Titans, he punished me with nightmares. I swore not to fail again. Back at Clown Camp Half-Blood, in my dreams, I was told that a second hero would arrive. One who could be tricked into tearing the bolt and the helmet the rest of the way, from Ares down to Tartarus. You summoned the Hellhound that night in the forest? We had to make Chiron think the camp wasn't safe for you, so he could start you on your quest. We had to confirm his fears that Hades was after you, and it worked. The flying shoes were cursed, I said. They were supposed to drag me and the backpack into Tartarus. And they would have if you'd been wearing them. But you gave them to the satyr which wasn't part of the plan. Grover messes up with everything he touches. He, ne- he even confused the curse. Luke looked down his scorpion, which was now sitting on my thigh. You should have died in third Percy, but don't worry. I'll leave you with my little friend who set things right. Thalia gave her life to save you. I said, gritting my teeth, and this is how you repay her? Don't speak of thalia he shouted. The gods let her die. That's one of the many things they will pay for. You are being used, Luke. You and Ares both don't listen to Kronos. I've been used. Luke's voice turned shrill. Look at yourself. What has your dad ever done to you? Kronos will rise. You've only delayed his plans. He will cast the Olympians into Tartarus and drive humanity back to their caves. All except the strongest, the ones who serve him. Call up the bug. I said, if you're so strong, fight me yourself. Luke smiled. Nice try, Percy, but I'm not Aries. You can't bait me. My lord is waiting, and he's got plenty of quests for me to undertake. Look, goodbye, Percy. There is a new golden age coming. You won't be a part of it. He slashed his sword in an arc and disappeared in a ripple of darkness. The scorpion lunged. I swatted away with my hand and uncapped my sword. The thing jumped at me, and I cut it half in midair. I was about to congratulate myself until I looked down at my hand. My palm had a huge red welt, oozing and smoking with yellow gunk. The thing had got me after all. My ears pounded. My vision went foggy. The water, I thought it had healed me before. I stumbled to the creek and submerged my hand, but nothing seemed to happen. The poison was too strong. My vision was getting dark. I could barely stand up. Sixty seconds, Luke had told me. I had to get back to camp. If I collapsed out here, my body would be dinner for a monster. Nobody would ever know what had happened. My legs fell like lead. My forehead was burning. I stumbled towards camp and the nymphs stirred from the trees. Help, I croaked. Please. Two of them took my arms, pulling me along. I remember making it to the clearing. A counselor shouting for help. A centaur blowing a conch horn. Then everything went black. I woke with a drinking straw in my mouth. I was sipping something that tasted liquid chocolate chip cookies, nectar. I opened my eyes. I was propped up in bed in the sick room of the big house, my right hand bandaged like a club. Argus stood guard in the corner, Annabeth sat next to me, holding my nectar glass and dabbing a washcloth on my forehead. Here we are again, I said, You idiot Annabeth said, which is how I knew she was overjoyed to see me Conscience, You were green and turning grey when we found you, if it weren't for Chiron's healing. No, no, Chiron said. Percy's constitution deserves some of the credit. He was sitting near the foot of my bed in human form, which is why I hadn't noticed him yet. His lower half was magically compacted into a wheelchair, his upper half dressed in a coat and attire. He smiled, but his face looked weary and pale, the way it did when he'd been up all night reading Latin papers. How are you feeling? he asked. Like my insides have been frozen? Then microwaved. Apt, considering that was pit scorpion venom. Now you must tell me if you can exactly what happened. Between sips of nectar, I told them the whole story. The room was quiet for a long time. I can't believe that Luke... Annabeth's voice faltered, her expression turned angry, then sad. Yes, yes, I can believe it. May the gods curse him? He was never the same after his quest. This must be reported to Olympus, Chiron murmured. I will go at once. you is out there right now, I said. I have to go after him. Chiron shook his head. No, Percy, the gods won't even talk about Kronos. I snapped. Zeus declared the matter closed. Percy, I know this is hard, but you must not rush out for vengeance. You aren't ready. I didn't like it, but part of me suspected Chiron was right. One look at my hand and I knew I wasn't going to be sword fighting any time soon. Chiron, your prophecy from the Oracle. It was about Tronos, wasn't it? Was I in it? Annabeth. Chiron glanced nervously at the ceiling. Percy, it isn't my place. You've been ordered not to talk to me about it, haven't you? His eyes were sympathetic, but sad. You will be a Great hero, child. I will do my best to prepare you. But if I'm right about the path ahead of you, thunder boomed overhead, rattling the windows. All right, Chiron shouted. Fine. He sighed in frustration. Gods have their reasons. Percy, knowing too much of your future is never a good thing. We can't just sit back and do nothing. I said. We will not sit back, Chiron promised, but you must be careful. Kronos wants you to come unraveled. He wants your life disrupted, your thoughts clouded with fear and anger. Do not give him what he wants. Train patiently, your time will come. Assuming I live that long, Chiron put his hand on my ankle. You'll have to trust me, Percy, you will live. But first you must decide your path for the coming year. I cannot tell you the right choice. I got the feeling that he had a very definite opinion and was taking all his willpower not to advise me. But you must decide whether to stay at camp however year you around or return to the mortal world for 7th grade and be a summer camper. Think on that. When I get back from Olympus, you must tell me your decision. I wanted to protest. I wanted to ask him more questions, but his expression told me that there would be no more discussion. He had said as much as he could. I'll be back for you as soon as I can. Argus will watch over you. He glanced at Annabeth. Oh, and my dear, whenever you're ready, they're here. Who's here? I asked. Nobody answered. Karen rolled himself out of the room. I heard the wheels of his chair clunk carefully down the front steps, two at a time. Annabeth studied the ice in my drink. What's wrong? I asked her. Nothing. She set the glass on the table. I just took your advice about something. You, um, need anything? Yeah, help me. I want to go outside. Pussy, that isn't a good idea. I slid my legs out of the bed. Annabeth caught me before I could tremble to the floor. A wave of nausea rolled over me. Annabeth said, I told you, I'm fine, I insisted. I didn't want to lie in bed like an invalid while Luke was out there planning to destroy the Western world. I managed to, I managed to step forward, then another, then leaning heavily on Annabeth? Argus followed us outside, but he kept his distance. By the time we reached the porch, my face was beaded with sweat. My stomach had twisted into knots, but I had managed to make it all the way to the railing. It was dusk. The camp looked completely deserted. The cabins were dark and voluble, but silent. No canoes cut the surface of the lake. Beyond the woods and the strawberry fields, the Long Island sound glittered in the last light of the sun. What are you going to do? Annabeth asked me. I don't know. I told her I got the feeling cut and wanted me to stay year around to put in more individual training time, but I wasn't sure that's what I wanted. I admitted I'd feel bad for leaving her alone, though, with only Clarice for company. Annabeth pursed her lips and said quietly, I'm going home for the year, Percy. I I stared at her. You mean to your dad's? She pointed towards the crest of the Half-Blood Hill, next to Thalia's pine tree at the very edge of the camp's magical boundaries. A family stood still at it. Two little children, a woman, and a tall man with blonde hair. They seemed to be waiting. The man was holding a backpack that looked like the one Annabeth had got from the Waterland in Denver. I wrote him a letter when he got back, Annabeth said. Just like you suggested, I told him I was sorry. I'd come home for the school year if he still wanted me. He wrote back immediately. We decided we'd give it another try. That took guts. She pursed her lips. You won't try anything stupid during the school year, will you? At least not without me. At least not without sending me an iris message. I managed to smile. I won't go looking for trouble. I usually don't have to. When I get back next summer, we'll hunt down Luke. We'll ask for a quest. But if we don't get approval, we'll stink off and do it anyway. Agreed? Sounds like a plan worthy of Athena. She held out her hand. I shook it. Take care, see what brain? Keep your eyes open. You too, wise girl. I watched her walk up the hill and join her family. She gave her father an awkward hug and looked back at the valley one last time. She touched Thalia's pine tree, then allowed herself to be led over the crest and into the mortal wall. For the first time at camp, I felt truly alone. I looked out the Long Island sun and remembered my father's saying, The sea does not like to be restrained. I made my decision. I wondered if Poseidon were watching. Would he approve of my choice? I'll be back next summer. I promised him. I'll survive until then. After all, I'm your son. I asked Jargus to take me down the cave and so I could pack my bags. So, yeah, we're done with the book. Yeah, we're done with the book. It's was an amazing one, right? I love him. I really love Percy. Just wish really that things could happen like this in the real world. It's just bad, yeah. So... Thank you for being with me throughout the book. Let's meet next Sunday to see what's cooking up. Thank you.